Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Our listener support campaign continues. And uh, we're focusing on our Patreon campaign, patreon.greatdetectives.net. When you become a monthly ongoing supporter of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, you give us reliable uh, income, and in turn, you help to build a better program. When we hit $600 in donation, we will do a full 9 to 13 week summer series of uh, old-time radio podcast. And as a Patreon listener, you can help pick them. And at the $800 level, we will be upgrading our server. And we're just getting close on the $600 uh, level, and uh, you can help push us over the top. Go to patreon.greatdetectives.net and choose a level that uh, best suits your uh, situation uh, from $2 up to... uh, with our rookie level to $30 with the uh, Chief of Detectives level. A full list of available thank you gifts and rewards are available at patreons.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Original air date, September 6, 1959, and this is the backfire that backfired matter. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Betty Lewis. Huh? Oh, hi, honey. Marry me. Well, what's that? I said, will you marry me? Oh, just round up a preacher and I'll meet you at the church. Serious, Johnny? Oh, I wish you were, you rascal. Well, with you, Betty, I sometimes wish I could... No, 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 wait a minute. Catch me still half asleep this way. Betty, what are the silly you two it up at the crack of dawn? What are you talking about? It's almost 8 o'clock. Exactly what I said, the crack of dawn. You just spoiled, Johnny, and... Well, I don't know whether to forgive you this time or not. Uh-oh, now what have I done? My housewarming party. Oh, no. Oh, yes. It took me three months of hard work to get my new little house fixed up out here. No visitors, no fun, no nothing Betty. to work. And then when I do invite you, and you accept... Betty, honest, listen, that's this. This is crazy business of mine. Better be good, Johnny. Well, I was out in Eugene, Oregon, and there was no way... Eugene, Oregon? Yeah, one of those last-minute things, insurance investigation, and there was no way I could get out of it. Honest? Honest. I only got back late last night, but I'll make it up to you. I swear I will. Well... Now, let's see. Today is, um... What? Betty. Hello, Betty. What's the matter, Johnny? You're asking me those gunshots... And if I suddenly groaned and dropped the telephone, would you come running out here? Are you kidding? What? <laughs> Only I cannot tell a lie. That was just some hot rod kid with a cut-down convertible. Oh, <laughs> backfire, huh? <laughs> yes. Every morning at exactly 8 o'clock. You set your watch by it. Are you sure that's all it was? Well, if you don't believe it, why, uh, why don't you come over here and see for yourself? Tomorrow, maybe? At 8 o'clock in the morning? Sure. And, honey, I'll cook you the greatest breakfast you ever had. Yeah, but... uh... Maybe even convince you that married life isn't such a bad idea after all. On the strength of a platter of ham and eggs? Tomorrow. John. Hey, uh, look, why don't we go somewhere tonight? I'll take you out to dinner and... 
really sorry about missing the party. If you really do want to see me... Well, sure I do. All right, Jeff. Tomorrow morning for breakfast. Betty. Bye, honey. So, why not? CBS Radio brings you Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut, attention Mr. Pat McCracken. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the backfire that backfired matter. I know, Pat, you haven't assigned me to a case. I also know I hadn't the least idea that having breakfast with my best gal was to be only the beginning of an insurance investigation. Before it was over, I'd be lucky to get out of the whole mess alive. But believe me, that's the way it worked out. So if there's any question about your company paying this expense account, well, just read on. Okay, then. Expense account item one the following morning, that is. Four dollars and a quarter for a tank full of gas for my car. By the unearthly hour of 7.40 a.m., I was on my way to far out beyond the edge of town to 11325 East Maple Drive and the newly acquired domicile of my date for breakfast, Betty Lewis. Now, uh, I'm not used to this uh, early morning stuff. and was kind of surprised to find so much of the world wide awake. It was warm and pleasant, too early for the scorching summer sun. Front lawns of the rather nice homes in this section glistened with dew. The fields and trees were filled with millions of birds, all singing their heads off with squirrels chattering away. Yep, real pleasant. Something I'd have to try again sometime. Betty's place, which I hadn't seen before, turned out to be a very cute one-story affair, coral roof and shutters to match. It was set comfortably in between a couple of somewhat larger homes. As for Betty, who stood there at the front door waiting for me, well, I don't know how she does it, but that ever-loving doll, even at this hour, looked as smart and attractive as any man could want. I just can't believe it. And it's still a full six minutes before eight o'clock. Oh, hi, honey. What? Yeah, so early in the morning. You mind? I do not. Come here, yeah. Johnny. <laughs> Gee, what this morning air does for you. Come in, huh? Said the spider to the fly? Oh, sure. I make no bones about it. Your uh, neighbors used to sing this sort of thing? Oh, sure. I've been having strange men in for breakfast every day. Uh-huh. You know, just so the neighbors wouldn't be shocked when I finally dragged you into my trap. <laughs> How do you like it, Johnny? Oh, yeah. Hey, looks real nice, Penny. Of course, if I had some nice guy to share it with. If you had any sense, you'd marry me, you know. Yeah. And if I had any sense, I'd get out of this crazy business of mine. Then maybe I could settle down to something like a normal life. Nine to five in some air-conditioned office, a nice home to come home to, maybe raise a family? Johnny, you know darn well you'd never be happy with that kind of a routine humdrum existence. Oh, no? You know it as well as I do. And I guess a gal could get pretty miserable wondering where you are, if you're getting slugged or shot at, maybe dead somewhere. But we do have fun together. And I'm all for it. 
That is, when you're not standing me up for some glamorous redhead on an excuse you're working an insurance case. Betty, so help me. On a stack of Bibles. Oh, sure. But come on, come on, or your eggs will be overcooked. Now, you sit right there when you can look out the window and drink your juice. Yes, ma'am. You really like my country estate? Yeah. Hey, who lives in that big house across the road? Oh, old Mr. Barton J. Robinson. Used to be an attorney. Robinson, sure. He's the one who prosecuted that big insurance fraud a few years ago for one of the companies I served. See him there eating his breakfast? Ah. A bachelor, isn't he? Yes, he lives all alone. Hmm. I think I'd better warn him to stay away from you that you're my property. (laughs) He's the most punctual man I've ever seen. If he isn't there when I'm eating my breakfast, I know I've overslept. Here, now. And if you want some toast... Got it. Hey, uh, Betty, I've been thinking. Yes? Well, maybe it's just my crazy criminal mind, but... Thinking about what, sir? About... Yeah, about that. Holy smoke. You no, know, I've got so used to it morning after morning. Hmm, two of them. Yeah, no, crazy kids. You know who they are? Oh, somebody had the police come out here a couple of mornings, but of course they didn't show up then. And I guess everybody else has just got used to them the way I have. Now, let's eat. Funny, though. Mm, what? A crazy backfire. Once they get past here, they stop it. Well, don't worry about it. But I should have. I should have worried plenty about it. Perhaps if I'd been a mystery writer instead of insurance investigator who's used to solving mysteries after they've happened, well, I would have had sense enough to act right then, immediately. Or maybe... Yeah. Maybe there was still time. And you have no idea who those two are. The ones who go barreling by in that hot rod every morning? Nobody could seem to find out, Johnny. And as I said... Yeah, everybody's got used to the noise of that backfiring. But listen, Betty... Why don't you eat your breakfast, honey? You call them kids, but they aren't. Honey, please... I thought we were just going to have breakfast and talk and sort of make up for lost time. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry for that, but now look. Honestly, do you have to dream up a lot of mystery and intrigue about even the most normal things that happen? They cut the backfiring just as soon as they got around that curve. 3CFU160. What? The license on that car. Oh, Johnny. Hey, listen, honey, let me use your phone. Didn't I see one right here in the living room? Oh, yeah. But why? And, Johnny, your breath is still get cold. Be right back. My phone call was to Jerry Wilson, who worked in the Department of Motor Vehicles. It took him a few minutes to dig into the files for me, but when he came back to the phone, his answer was short and to the point. Sorry, Johnny, but you must have made a mistake. You sure about that? Absolutely. But what happened? Why do you want to know? Well, just uh, curious, that's all. Oh, now, Johnny, I know you better than that. Back, Jerry, and thanks. Thanks a lot. Now, Johnny. Oh, sorry, buddy. Oh, I guess you're right, Johnny. About driving wife crazy, I mean. I was right about that car. What? That license on it is a phony. There ain't no such number here in Connecticut. All right, so a couple of kids didn't have enough money to buy a license. I tell you, they aren't kids. Now that I've had a chance to think about it, I'd swear there was something familiar about the looks of the one beside the driver. Oh, sure. Some nasty criminal you've tangled with and... Oh, 
Johnny, listen. This isn't why I asked you out here to cook up some deep mystery. Hey, Betty, this lawyer, this Barton Robinson, who lives in the big house across the road. I don't care about him, Johnny. I care about you. You say that every morning at the same time he's there beside that window eating his breakfast, the same time that car comes roaring by. Yes. When he's here, that is. He was away for five or six weeks. Until when? He must have come back last night. This morning's the first time in five or six... Uh-huh. And when did this, uh, well, those hot rodders start coming around? Oh, well, I guess it was about a week after Mr. Robinson went away. Casey Machina. What? Johnny, for heaven's Betty, listen sake. to me. You probably won't forgive me for this. Johnny! Now, listen. Sometimes when I'm working on a case... You're not, dear. Well, sometimes when I run out of leads, well, all I have to work on is a hunch. Three months I've been but waiting. But strangely enough, the hunches usually pay I off. I wasn't going to tell you until so later. So, maybe my hunch is right this but time. But I called the office and told them I wouldn't because be Because I, I got a real big fat one about that you car. I thought you could go somewhere, drive out in the country, oh, I'm maybe. I'm sorry, honey. I really am like sorry. Like I said, kind of make up for lost but time. But I've got to get on this thing, and right now... Oh, Johnny, how can you do this Look, to I'll me? pick you up tonight. We'll have dinner, take it a show, make a night of it, anything you want. I, oh, I, I know the walking out on you this way is a dirty trick, and if you want to, you can just tell me to... Please, honey, tonight for sure. Oh, sure, Johnny. You know what a pushover I am. Thanks, hon. See you later. I set out to find that car, who owned it, and why the big backfire racket in that particular spot day after day. There was a purpose there, I was sure of it. Not just a couple of kids out on a tear. Besides, they weren't kids. I'd seen that for myself. Because of the way the car had taken the curve down the road, it left a very clear set of tire marks. So I started a careful inspection of drive waves, even asked the people who lived along there what they knew about that car. And it took me most of the day. Expense account item two, by the way, is a buck and a quarter for a late afternoon lunch at a roadside tavern. It was there I finally got some information. You want another bottle of beer, huh, Charlie? Okay. Now, as I was saying, mister, I think I know the very car you mean. Yeah? About a 1941, tied down with straight pipes. Must have been a convertible before they throwed the top away. Makes a lot of noise. You know who owns it? Where I can find it? Well, I think I seen it take the cutoff one morning. Cutoff? Yeah, when I was on my way to work here. What cutoff? About a mile up the road to cut off over to Byerly Swamp. Good. Thanks a lot. Here's for the food. Well, you interested in buying that old crate? Something like that. The cutoff to Byerly Swamp wasn't much more than a pair of wagon tracks through the woods. But the tire marks I was looking for stuck out like a sore thumb. And they finally led off to an old shack half hidden by a heavy thicket. Behind it, sure enough, was the car I'd been looking for. The windows of the shack were boarded up. No sign of life of it. Slowly and carefully, I circled the place. Then I walked over to the door, turned the knob, opened it. And you know something? I'd been awfully wrong about there being nobody around. Okay, mister. Oh, oh no, you kill him, kill him. You asked for it. Clip him, ring it, clip him. Yeah! Oh! All right. All right, get some water, Gil. Bring him to. We'll find out what he's doing around here. Let me go through his pockets, Ringer. See who he is. Yeah, go ahead. 
one called ringer was too big for me. So rather than take any more of it for the moment, I lay there and let them go through my pockets. And of course, they took my gun. When the little one, Gill, started pouring water not only on but into me, well, I had to come to a choke of that. Oh, give him the whole bucket. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Johnny Dollar, on huh? insurance stick. No, no, don't try getting up on your feet. You think I could if I wanted to? Yeah, you really clipped him, Ringo. Shut up. So the coppers have been after me since I got out of their clink, huh? But they couldn't find me, so they had to send you out. Is that it, Dollar? Uh, what do you think? I think you're going to be awful sorry and awful dead. You think you or anybody else could keep me from knocking off that fancy mouthpiece after sending me up the way he did? Well, nobody's smart enough. You're going to knock him off, Ringer, huh? You're going to kill him? After we get that lawyer. Well, why not now, huh? Anything goes wrong, I might need Dollar for a hostage. Oh, sure. Only what's a hostage? Only nothing is going to go wrong. I'm too smart for that. Yeah, I guess you are at that, Ringer. That business of driving by his house every day, the backfire. That's right, so nobody worries about it no more. And the backfire will cover the shots when you murder lawyer Roberts. That's right. Nobody will even notice. And all it takes is one good shot through his window. Just a little hole in that window nobody will notice unless they go up and look at it. An elaborate scheme like that just to show how smart you are? No, because knowing I'm on the loose again, he has that house locked up like a bank vault. Not even Gil and me could get in without setting off an alarm. And he keeps the blinds down at night. Can't even see him in there. But every morning at the same time, he's there at the window. <laughs> so now that he's home, we get him. Tomorrow morning... Shut up, Gil. Soak up some of that rawhide so we can tie him up and get out of here. Yeah, sure, Ringin. I want to get some food and some sleep. Then, Dollar, we'll be back to see you in the morning. And after we do, you won't see anything anywhere anymore. Wet rawhide that shrinks when it dries, cuts into ankles and wrists like a steel band. By the time they finally left in their hot rod, the pain was excruciating. Sure, I could roll around a bit, maybe even out the door. What good was that? There was nobody. Nobody ever came around this neck of the woods. So I lay there, straining against the bonds, hoping they wouldn't cut off the circulation completely as the rawhide slowly and inexorably... Wait. It was raining, raining hard. I rolled myself painfully out the door into a puddle in front of it. It seemed like hours. It was hours. It was long after daylight before the rawhide finally stretched enough for me to get a hand free and take off the rest of the thongs that bound me. I looked at my watch. 8.15. Which meant they'd done their job. And yeah, now they'd come back here to... Then I heard it. The hot rod coming down the soggy wagon road. Quickly, I ducked back into the shack, waited behind the door. to cover us, too. I, I don't get it, Ringer. So he wasn't there. That window means somebody warned him. Means that Johnny Dollar warned him. That means we're taking care of Dollar right now. Hey, no, wait. Listen. What? That car coming down the road. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. It's a girl that lives across the street from that mouthpiece. What's she doing out here? I don't know. If she pulls in here, we start shooting first and find out afterwards. Hey, she is. Here she comes. Look out. Shoot, let her have it! Yeah! Oh, no, you don't, baby! Dollar, I'll kill you! I'll blast you! Oh, no! No! Betty! Johnny! 
Johnny, if I hadn't run into him, he would have killed me. That's okay, honey. You did the right thing. Johnny, when you didn't come last night, and this morning when the man at the roadhouse told me where he'd sent you to find that hot rod... Okay, honey, So I told Mr. Robinson to stay away from his window, and I came as fast as... Oh, are you all right, honey? Are you all right? Yeah, sure. A little wet and tired. Johnny, I was so worried. I was so worried about you. I'm sure glad you were. Thanks, honey. Oh, do that again. That's the sweetest kiss. Run over me. Try to kill me. Oh, shut up, Ringer. You think I'm gonna... Yeah! Can't you see I'm busy? Yes. More, Johnny. It was Betty Lewis who really saved the life of that insurance attorney. So most of this expense account covers some well-earned entertainment, plus a little gift for her. No, not an engagement ring, but a big jug of my sin. But I must admit, she certainly makes me think about the merits of... <clears throat> yeah. Expense account total 450 bucks even. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. star to tell you about next week's story. Next week. Well, next week, the funniest combination of names I ever saw. And brother, what trouble they cause. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Horace Lewis, Barney Phillips, and Tom Holland. This is Jim Matthews speaking. Hi, this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site. We stream live OTR Westerns 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, along with putting out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Virginia Gregg takes over the role of Betty Lewis and does a fantastic job. Performance does call to mind a little bit of Helen Asher, but I think they are different characters. And of course, she once again saves the day. And I think it's safe to assume that she uh, deduced uh, what had happened in terms of offering the advice to the attorney and figuring out to uh, tip him off. So some pretty good instincts there. I hope the insurance company pays for it, even though it's Johnny just going out on a hunch and figuring somebody will pay him for it later. All right, well, on to listener comments and feedback. And we start out with Robert, who says, Adam, having lived in San Francisco for the past two years, and I should say this was regarding the Embarcadero matter, uh, this was a particularly interesting episode for me. In the city, uh, the odd number of peers are 
uh, northwest of the ferry building at Market, and the even-numbered piers are southwest slash south of it. The largest odd-numbered pier is 43 and a half, so the Pier 93 mentioned in the story simply never existed. I assume that the riders took Pier 39, which is the most famous uh, one of all, and reversed the digits. Well, thanks for that uh, perspective. Uh, it's interesting that they reversed it. And it kind of, you know, when it's a famous uh, pier, um, kind of weird, I guess they'd be concerned about uh, other concerns to feel that need to reverse it. At any rate, thanks for the comment, Robert. And uh, then uh, we have a uh, email from Jay who says, I've been listening to your various old-time radio podcasts for the past nine years, including Dragnet, Superman, and now a Great Detectives featuring Johnny Dollar. And I greatly enjoy and appreciate your hard work in providing these podcasts as well as your enjoyable information enjoyable and sometimes humorous commentary. I've spent the past two plus years amassing my own collection of MP3 Johnny Dollar episodes with the primary focus being the episode starring Bob Bailey, of which I finally uh, completed my collection minus the lost episodes. In some ways, I feel emotionally vested in the Johnny Dollar characters played by Bob Bailey, as I feel, as do many old-time radio enthusiasts, that Bob Bailey was the consummate Johnny Dollar, and now I'm listening to the episodes of his successor, Bob Redick. I find these performances lacking in emotion and character depth. I'm looking forward to listening to Mandel Kramer, whom I've read to be the second best of Bob Bailey in terms of performance. I thought it sad that Bailey was largely forgotten after CBS pulled the plug on the Hollywood, California broadcast by moving the production to the East Coast in the late 1960s. The five, uh, down episode is especially poignant for me and um, I'll not read that part since it's spoiling for an episode we haven't quite got to um, but he does say I'm looking forward to your analysis in the near future of the five down matter episode in your podcast again I appreciate all you do uh, and uh, may the Lord continue to bless you and your wife well thanks so much Jay um, regarding the Bob Redick era I have not exposed myself to too much of it I did listen to an episode or two of each Johnny Dollar you know when when we got started because I wanted to be sure you know that there wasn't you know some actors Johnny Dollar who was just too horrendous um, to uh, actually uh, listen to well you know and it wasn't always the actor's fault but just the way the production would be done and I found all had their strengths and wit and weaknesses uh, the Redick era is not going to be a long one it's about um 20 weeks long and i will say that the episodes i listened to uh impressed me as being very fast paced and very action packed um the mando kramer i think i've listened to about three or four of those um again i kind of like to be surprised and to experience the programs as much as possible for the first time with the listeners because i am a fan of the shows i've listened to and heard a lot of episodes um already i don't think for example on richard diamond we're quite up to the point of the episodes that uh i've just listened to on my own i think i think i listened to 25 30 you know, episodes over the years on my own. But, uh, 
Uh, I think the Redick ones impressed me as being very action-packed. The Mando Kramer ones that I've heard have been interesting because it's really, you know, when Mando Kramer takes over as Johnny Dollar, it's 1961. And it, and the episodes, many of them, they have, uh, almost a very, uh, early 60s vibe to them that's very different from the Bailey Johnny Dollars. And I don't say it's better or worse. I just say, you know, it's, uh, different. And you get an entirely different set of actors from this East Coast uh, production of uh, Johnny Dollar. So it'll be sad when we're out of Bob Bailey episodes, but I think there are some uh, interesting uh, performances and stories ahead, and I look forward to uh, hearing them. But after we get through all the Baileys, and I do, th- I do think Bob Bailey is the best at this. All right, well, that will do it for today. Join us back here uh, next uh, Friday for another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, and uh, then tomorrow for Dragnet. Remember, uh, we are... I do encourage you to support our Patreon campaign, patreon.greatdetectives.net. We need 13 more uh, Patreons to get to 100, and we're only a few more away from securing a summer series for uh, 2017 full-length. You decide. And you can still support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.